Good morning, everyone, and thank you for uh, being part of today's drop-in. It's May 19th, 2020. This is the 19th um, in our digital, 19th edition of our digital drop-ins we've been running over the past um, couple of months. And today's focus is going to be around um, kind of how, how brands should be responding post-COVID-19 and, and how they should be thinking about tailoring their experience for this kind of rapid surge and growth in, in, in online demand and shopping and that we've seen recently, but also this demand that we think is going to, going to go beyond the, the current outbreak and, and, and is going to be kind of the, the new normal. Um, and I think what we've seen, you know, is an increase, not just in, in shopping, but browsing, you know, social time and, a, and sort of correlated with a massive decrease in, in them bricks and mortar engagements that brands are able to have with the consumers. And I think, you know, what, what this means for us is that your website now is, is even more important a tool and an asset to engage with those, those customers, whether that's regular customers, loyal customers, or, or new audiences who might not have engaged with you previously. And you've got to have that great first experience with them. Um, and I think what we want to do today is, is use the next 30 minutes or so to just share some of our kind of top tips for how we would would encourage you to, to make that experience as valuable as possible to ensure that um, if it is their first experience with you, that they choose you, they remember you, and they return to you in future and you continue to engage with them kind of moving forward. Um, so on the panel today, we have myself, um, Chief Exec and, and, and Founder of, of MediaWorks. We have Paul Mallett, who's Managing Partner of our Leeds office. Do you want to say hello, Paul? Hello, guys. We have Daniel Hogan, who is CTO of MediaWorks. Do you want to say hello, Dan? Morning, everyone. We also have Andrew Blenkinsop, who's Creative Director at MediaWorks. Andy? Hello, everybody. Hello. And uh, I think who's going to be doing the lion's share of the talking today, we've got Nina Best, who is our Head of Experience. Hi. So I think, um, yeah, I suppose, Paul, I think in terms of sort of setting the scene for today, um, yeah. I know we've kind of identified a few sort of key questions we want to talk talk Nina and, and, and absolutely Dan and Andy through. Um, but do you want to kind of set the scene as well for, for where today came from and, and why we think this is such an important topic for everybody? And, and, and by all means as well, anybody just ask questions throughout. We'll try and pick those up as we go and, and, and hoover them up at the end, either through the Q&A or, or the chat if necessary. Yeah, great. So, um, so ho hopefully, what we'll do today, um, and we've we've kind of pulled out five kind of key areas that we think are really important to focus on. And we, we you know, we we have said that this is all about experience. This particular drop in, and um, I think as we've gone through the uh, the COVID nineteen crisis, um, you know, it's raised lots of different questions about marketing and about online marketing, digital, and we've spoken a lot about search and search visibility and um, you know, being appropriate, you know, should you go dark, should you go quiet? And, and we've kind of explored all these issues. And 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 actually, you know, as, as we're working through the crisis and starting to see an ease of lockdown, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, different opportunities and different possibilities are kind of emerging. And I think we wanted to spend a bit of time talking about user experience and customer experience today, because, um it is very important, but also, you know, it takes longer to deliver and it's not something you can necessarily switch on and switch off. Um, but this whole experience has made us think about this in a different way um, in which kind of Brett has, has kind of given a really good good start to that. And um, I think the first thing that we wanted to talk about was really this fact that um, because 
a lot of people are online more. Um, so they're visiting more websites than they were before, but they're, they're probably spending more time on those websites. They're going deeper. They're going into nooks and crannies that they don't normally go to. And, and, and certainly um, it's the only way that a lot of people are getting to experience brands at all because we can't go outside and do it in any other way. So um, I think uh, so, so I think the first bit is to really say, you know, given that um, online is the main way that people are going to experience your brand, um, what is important about your experience um, at the moment? Just from that lens, we're going to talk about other things in a bit, but let's just talk about that, that kind of total brand thing first. So, Nina, I know you've got a few thoughts on that. Yeah, I think um, it's really easy for like websites to all look the same because rightly so, convention is really important when it comes to UX because following conventions um, can make an experience easier and quicker to use. Um, so often it's the case that um, when businesses are looking to build a new website, they look at functionality and how to optimise journeys and everything like that. Um, but often looking at the brand often gets overlooked um, and just kind of it's more people focus on websites more as a, of a functional thing rather than a brand experience. Um, but brand storytelling can actually play, play a huge part in improving the user experience of your website. Um, and so in turn, it can help optimise conversion rates, even though um, it's not something that people seem to see in the same way, really. Um, so emotional messaging, which which you can use to help tell your brand story, um, is actually twice as effective versus purely functional or rational messaging. Um, so that including that kind of messaging in your website really can help conversion. Um, and especially now when customers can't have the same face-to-face -face experience in stores um, and in bricks and mortar outlets as they would have done, your website's really important in getting that brand story across because they're not necessarily getting it elsewhere. So you need to get that brand story across. You need to build that connection with people um, just to help people realize who you are and learn more about you and know the brand that you are as well. Um, there's a few good examples I've seen um, recently. So I think Blue and Wild do a really good job. Um, they've got lovely tone of voice, great imagery um, and styling and like cute little touches, like um, little snippets about the customer delight team and things like that. So the whole experience at Bloom and Wild show just shows a whole brand, even though they are just online and you mainly deal with the website, but it's a brand brought to life. Um, and another one that I think is really good is Selfridges. Um, it's a shop. They've got obviously the four or five main big shops, um, but the website really stands out and really showcases their brand. Um, and when you land on the website, you're not just shown products, you're shown brand-led messaging, battling content, um, and it all just helps build upon that brand story and brings everything to life a lot more. Yeah, and um, and I think that you know one one of the things with this, I mean, we know about brands like Selfridges, but um, there's been lots of um, you know smaller brands getting more time and more space, and uh, and I guess that one of the things um, is that coming out of this, we want those brands want to be remembered, so they have to yeah. offer a distinctive experience. So whether that's through their their branding and their look and feel, but like you say, the whole tone of voice and how how the whole whole thing works is going to aid that kind of. Uh, recognition and uh, and people remembering post all of this. What do you th any thoughts, Andy? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> was it, you touch obviously touch on Bloom and Wild, which are a, a digital business. However, you know what they have 
to then do is almost provide that customer experience, that human personalization of, you know, making people feel warm and making people making people feel welcome. You know, so how can you use your tone of voice and imagery to to be that first impression? And, and give everything that you need to, to allow people to continue to engage. Because as Nina said, the functionality there, having the functionality there is one thing, but actually people wanting to use it is all going to come through that kind of the, the, the ease to do that and um, to feel like actually this is a brand that I'm going to engage with. I'm not going to go elsewhere looking for it because it feels like a place that you want to be. And I think that's where your brand can, can come through and do that with. Yeah. And I, and I think um, just to, if we just kind of move on to our, Onto, onto our next thing, because I think that one of the challenges that that throws up is, I think a, a really interesting thing that's come through all of this is because of this increasing number of people coming to your website, you probably don't know them. You might be getting new customers, you might be getting a new cohort, you might be getting a new segment, you might be getting people that are interested in different products for different reasons. So even when we're trying to look at what, what our brand experience should be, do we know enough about our our, our audience to be able to get that right. Yeah, there's a really good quote by Steve Krug um, from his book, Don't Make Me Think, which is, um, the problem is there are no simple right answers for most web design questions, um, in, at least not important ones. What works is good integrated design that fills a need, carefully thought out, well executed and tested. So the thing there which really stands out to me is not every website, not every user has the same need. So it's really important to understand actually who your users are and what they're actually looking for when they land on your website. And then when you really understand who they are, you can make sure that they're getting the right content that's right for them and right in their buying um, journey and which would really help them at that time. And I think it's really important to know they are to enable to do that. And any, any thoughts Nina, on that, I was guys? just going to say, is there any, is there any tips for, for the attendees today to, to start understanding you know, where do you start with that? Where do you start with trying to understand how journeys might differ on your site and understand if this is somebody who's got a kind of a, a commercial desire or an informational desire? Like, where can some people, you know, what some of the basics people can do to start trying to figure these things out? So user research is really, really important. So there's a few different things we tend to do to understand users. So you can look at your analytics. You can look at your Google Analytics and see kind of get, get an idea of the de demographic of who's coming, where they're landing, why they're dropping off, all that kind of thing. Um, but carrying out proper user testing, user research really helps you get under the nitty gritty. So you can do surveys with your customers and um, you can do testing where you can set out little tasks and get them to follow them um, and then question them, question them on that afterwards. Um, and it really helps you nail down exactly what they want, what they don't want as well is just as important because there's no point filling a screen with a lot of stuff that's not really that useful for people. Um, and and just, just as much research and as much interaction with your actual customers um, that will be using your website or your app will get you in the best place really because you can guess what they would want and you can use best practice knowledge and everything like that to guess what someone might want. But until you actually speak to those actual users, you never know for certain what it is that they're looking for. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think that also being able to use, um, I, I think we've seen examples and people that we've talked to, either our own uh, clients or, or across different industries, have had quite surprising things popping up all the way through the last few months. So uh, we, we were talking to the guys from Dowsing and Reynolds and they had this revelation that they couldn't sell products really to people that needed tradesmen to fit them. 
um, you look at the fashion brands and they, they really sold out on uh, jogging bottoms so because people needed to dress from the top but didn't need to worry about the bottom. I mean, I'm wearing... Uh, no. Um, but um, but all, all of these things, he could say, yes, he could have preempted that. But actually, at any point, if we'd have stopped to talk to customers and say, why, why are you doing what you're doing? We'd have had a greater insight into what's going on. And that's both from a product point of view, but also offering a, a really relevant user experience. For example, the way that your products are prioritized onto your homepage and, and hero products and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think we, um, Nina, you kind of touched on it earlier in terms of understanding people and behaviors online is fantastic. You know, we use things like analytics to understand, you know, popular journeys where people are dropping off and coming. But I think what's interesting now is you're probably going to have um, customers visiting part of the website, which might not have previously got enough traffic to start running these kind of tests. So, you know, as an e-commerce business, traditionally would be focused on getting people through a checkout. You know, if we're trying to provide online services, we'd look at make a payment forms, for example. And, and we're, we're kind of obsessed, obviously, by those transactional elements. But we've now got an opportunity to start exploring how our content around, you know, help and advice or how to do things yourself serve all of that kind of stuff we can test our theories now because we've got more traffic coming through it so i think it's an interesting time to learn more about your customers and areas that might might not have been on the agenda um, and yeah. based on current climate where we're able to do those things which are which is quite in, interesting i think yeah and um i think this kind of leads us quite quite nicely on to another another area which is about um I mean, I don't know about you guys, but certainly if you've got any older relatives um, during this last period, they've suddenly had to use the internet a lot more. They've had to figure out how to do a, a, an online shop at Tesco's. They've needed to fill out a form. They might have needed to do uh, something with an online pharmacy or that kind of thing. And um, suddenly you realise how bad some website design is and how unintuitive um, forms can be, I mean, even the word form, you know, you can phone up the customer survey team and you talk to my 80-year-old mum and say, you need to fill in the form. She goes, what, what do you mean a form? That's a piece of paper. You know, the, the whole language and everything can be, can be very baffling. And, um, you know, it, it kind of shows that the importance of intuitive UX design. Um, and and, and I, I think this has always been a really interesting one. That having, having been doing web design, uh, you know, since the mid '90s, and having a lot of fun doing experimental web design, and uh, and then back in the day, Jacob Nielsen came along and said, "No, no, no, no. There's a way to do web design that can really, you know, uh, aid people's comprehension, make journeys simple." Um, so. And, and, and I think that, you know, that a time like we've just been through really highlights that because if you think you've got users that have a, a very, they might be quite new to the internet, they might have a quite small repertoire of websites, but suddenly they're going wider, then that role of intuitive um, UX surely becomes even more important. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. I think even though you need to think about your brand and everything like that, you still always need to think of the core UX principles um, and you need to be making things as streamlined as possible for users, like Paul's just said, um, so that people can get through a process as easily as possible. Basically, we don't want them to think too hard about what they're having to do. It just needs to be obvious without them having to think what how to get through a process. Um, just like Paul says, people who aren't even used to using the internet um, just to make things easy for everyone, not not just people who use the internet all the time. It needs to be easy for everybody. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was going to, sorry, I was just going to say, Nina, we, we I know we, something that um, massively would help this and help people understand their audience, help them understand not making people think, etc. A lot of brands that we work with, they've, they've got a, a panel that they've built of their target audience. And a lot of people will talk about creating these panels or you can tap into kind of global external panels. But how easy is it for somebody or, or a brand or a participant that's on a day, how easy is it to create one of these panels and how valuable is that for people as kind of an actionable tip? Do you mean for testing and everything? Like yeah, that? like a, a customer yeah. panel that they'll go to, they'll, they'll will run yeah. beta trials or tests of, of things they are out through. Yeah, so testing is the best thing you can do really in order to like i said earlier you can't guess what people want and you can't guess how people are going to behave with things so if you create a process or a product or a system if you can test that with people like people in a panel um users anything like that and test it and then get their feedback and then iterate that just to make it as streamlined as possible that's the best thing to do um and then you can iron out any like any bumps in the road as well where people get tripped up or highlight that there might be a better way to do certain things like that. So a panel, yeah, it's really important. If you can have a panel, um, that would be a great way just to um, test everything really before it goes live or even when it is live, you can always iterate it after it's live anyway. Yeah, yeah and I think um, one, of, one, of the, um, one of the projects that me and Nina have worked on a lot over the years has been with um, First Direct Bank where we do... Um, a lot of their um, experience design across app and uh, desktop banking and mobile banking, that kind of thing. And actually one of the first elements that we put in place with that whole project was a, a big user panel. Um, very simple to build. Um, I think the, the, the you have to know what you're doing. And um, you know, the one that we've done for First Direct is called F Design. And it's kind of almost positioned as, I mean, First Direct have got very low engaged customers, which is a, a really good starting point. So recruiting people into the panel wasn't a problem. But then, you know, we use that for running beta tests, past people running marketing ideas, um, just about everything can go through the panel. And um, yeah, they're very easy to set up. Um, you know, you know it, the, the the software and the, and the actual technology to do it is pretty straightforward. It's then making sure that you can recruit people and, and keep them engaged. And I think that the brands that have done this really successfully over the years, EasyJet had a very famous kind of consumer panel that they used to run and encourage um, customers to use their mobile phones to just grab bits of the whole customer experience where they felt there was a breaking point, and then they could share that back into the uh, the EasyJet panel. And um, I think, you know, if you're serious about UX, then having having access to a live panel that you can just very quickly run tests on is brilliant. But also, don't be scared of supplementing that with CRO and A-B testing live on, on your real website and then look at, you know, one's quant and one's a bit more qual. So take the two together and you're probably going to get to a, a really good answer. And Paul, you don't often have to pay these people a lot of cash either, do you? I mean, sometimes you can almost just give them a discount code if they're a loyal fan and, you, you know, you give them a 20% off VIP well, card just for, you know, filling out a few forms and run a few tests. Absolutely. And done right, people start to get really quite enthused about it. That you're part of this secret club that is helping to improve the experience. And I think the examples from like EasyJet and, and things like that, I don't know. I don't think there was a great deal of reward other than being part of this quite exclusive club, which was great. Um, I think the, the the fourth thing we wanted to talk about, and Andy's mentioned it a little bit, but um, 
when we're talking about the user experience, so when we you can you can talk about user interface, you can talk about buttons and menus, and you can talk about the copy that guides people through it and, and making it simple, making sure you know your audience, making sure there aren't any barriers, that it's intuitive. But a, another really important part of the user experience is the content that you that, that you consume. And um, you know, it's certainly no, uh, you, you know, that you know, the, the YouTube uh, published some data yesterday saying that um, searches for how to's and step by step guides are up 65% on, on YouTube um, up, to, up to this point in the year. And, you know, again, in, you, you can look back at that and go, well, of course, because you, you can't go and see people. It's hard to talk to people. It's hard to say, how do I do that or show me how to do that. So, I think it's back to this point that people go into the deep and dark crevices within your website, then of course you should find the how-to guides, how to install this, how to pick the right color, how to accessorize this, whatever those how-tos are. But um, but yeah, content. So how, how do we start to design content really well as part of the, the user experience? Yeah, I think, like you say, I think um, it, L particles at the moment as well, um, can really help to bring down the need for customer service calls and everything like that. So I think it's really important to surface this content and um, make it easy for people to find. Um, so I've seen that Bloom and Wild again, um, I've got a really prominent get help fast section on the main nav, which is really good because at the moment, especially in these times, people are calling customer service a lot more. They are emailing customer service a lot more and just bring it to the forefront is really good. Um, and so it's just a case of, making sure that your website content is structured easy enough for people to find it and making sure helpful content is there. Um, again, using like your analytics and finding out what actually people are looking for is a good way to make sure that you're providing the content that people actually need. Um, and you can also think about adding things like chatbots or um, um, and like comprehensive help sections to your website as well, rather than just have it brewed away in the footer, just bring it to the forefront, make it really helpful and, and allow people to self-serve so that they're not making these customer service calls um, just to bring down the man hours needed for customer service as well. Yeah, sure. So, sorry, someone's just popped in the Q&A. Um, can you share us what an example of one of these user panels look like? Um, the one that I was referring to, if you just do a Google search for F-Design, you'll find the one that we were uh, referring to there. And it's, uh, you know, it's um, publicly viewable. I think just on those self-serve channels, Paul, I think, you know, being helpful is brilliant. I think, it's a, it, you know, bringing all of that self-serve content to the forefront is, is fantastic. But, it, you know, just yesterday I had to make a payment um, to, to somebody and because it was over the phone, it was something they weren't used to. So they sent me a screen share link and it was just a basic form. And um, so it was it was this idea of self-serve. It was fantastic. But... I think I don't think they really knew this was coming. So when I when I was greeted with the form on the telephone, it wasn't responsive, and um, it didn't have any kind of helpful tips to take me or guide me through that form to make mm -hmm. it feel intuitive. If I and all I could think of there is, you know, quite imagine if, if my mum was sent this form, she wouldn't have got through it. You know, I was asked to put sixteen digits in. I put a space in and I got a big red flag. So I think there's this idea of being helpful helpful throughout these journeys that we're introducing. Yeah. And if we are kind of going through that channel shift, pushing more digital channels, it's how can we guide people through it um, as part of that process. And you can do that when we spoke earlier about using your brand and your tone of voice to be conversational. And I think those kind of, kind of experiences are going to drive engagement, but also become more memorable. And, you know, how then 
if it becomes that easy, will it be something that they then just start to do? So you might get some long-term digital kind of benefits from this period where digital is the only way to operate and engage with customers. So I think being helpful throughout the journeys and using, you know, tool tips, basic stuff, you know, getting back to that Steve Krug thing that you said before, Nina, you know, very basic conversion and, and UX principles are probably now more apparent than ever um, yeah. as we ship people online. Exactly, because if people have a frustrating experience, they're not going to want to come back, are they? They're, it's going to frustrate them, it's going to annoy them, and they're going to either not want to come back or find another way to do what they need to do or even go to a different company. So I think, like you say, as, as helpful as we can be on websites, the better, really. And I think that, you know, the, we had that chat with the guys from GWI the other week who were saying that a lot of people that they are speaking to are going to continue to engage online off the back of this. Um, yeah. So we already we already had an emphasis and understood the importance of online channels, but it's just becoming almost fast-tracked and, and we really do need to kind of act upon it to, to come out with this in a positive way, I think. Yeah. Dan, Dan, we were we were chatting about this the other day, weren't we? Talking about kind of site search logs and things like that and a role that areas like that have to play. Yeah, I think so. I think for me, it's probably two sides, which is you know, there's a lot we can take from the data about how people are engaging now, what's important to them. And, you know, looking what people are searching for in your website, like Nina says, can that highlight some content that people want to look at? But I think the other thing is, you know, we touch on this human element and, you know, we're talking about like a lot of the stuff is what's different now. But also what's going to change moving forward, you know, what's going to happen with bricks and mortar. And as there's less human interaction kind of in the real world, how is that going to transition online? You know, we talk about automating some of those processes, chatbots, but actually in some cases, are we going to have to look, do we do video chats? And, you know, there's a focus to try and bring down the number of people calling customer services, but also people might want some interaction with your brand. So I think, you know, Paul and Nina touched on like the, the kind of user research piece, but understanding actually what what is important to your user now, but also in the future, because their journey is going to change and, you know, they might want to interact online, but they're not going to inter- want to interact online the same way that they always have. It's it's less transactional and it needs to be a bit more human touch. So I think it, it's, it's kind of balancing all of your data points and not just being focused on, you know, pure data because it, it might not allude you to what people actually want now um, and, and bring both together and stitch them together which which kind of brings us nicely to our our kind of last thing which is talking about um customer care and um i think for me this is interesting when we're talking about ux and tier points of view um number one if you've got a customer care team uh, much as though you should be studying your uh, on-site search queries you should be you know tracking and looking at what the most common calls are the most common issues because that can really, really help provide a good, good user experience. Um, although in itself can then start cutting down the number of calls going to the, the customer care team. So, uh, you know, they can often sit, sit there thinking, oh, I'm talking myself out of a job here. But actually, customer care teams still can play a really, really vital role in supporting people as they go through certain different kinds of transactions. Um, certainly for more pressured things in the world of kind of financial services, insurance, you know, if you're in the middle of a crisis, um, you might prefer to actually get on the phone and talk to someone. And and actually it's an area that we've done quite a lot of work on, is then looking at how the customer care team's user experience can really help them to get to the heart of what the customer is calling up about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think improving like user journeys for the customer 
care team and streamlining their tasks is really important because if they've got a system which is streamlined, really easy to find what they need, it makes it can make customer calls quicker. Um, people won't need to be on hold for as long. They can find what they need. Um, and it's really good as well if you can mirror what the like customer service agents are seeing. Um, so, so it can replicate what customers see as well so that everyone's kind of talking in the same like language, really. Um, and, and you want to avoid you want to avoid that situation where you say, "Oh, it's really easy. Just click the big purple button." Yeah. And the, yeah, the the customer's version is blue, and the, you know that, that so mirroring the the internal system to the public facing system can be really really important. Yeah, because we've done quite a lot of work as well um, with on customer service. Um, systems um, and often they have lots of different stuff on the screen all at once so it's figuring out like can that be personalized for the call can it be personalized to the agent can that be personalized for the customer what needs to be on that screen and um, to make it most useful for everyone really um, so I think that making sure that your UX for your customer service systems um, is really solid is something that often would get neglected but I think it's something that's really important especially if it can bring down your call times um, and then you can make sure that your customer service people are getting through customers quicker um, so then your customers are happier because they're not work- waiting as long to speak to someone then as well. Yeah and uh, and and you know and, and also we, we know anecdotally from the businesses that we've worked with like this that this is a really important part of their kind of brand so their internal, their staff, their employees, the people that engage with customers, they have to be feeling like they're getting they're getting a good experience as well. So put it all together, you've got happy customers, happy agents, and this kind of layer of technology and and user experience that is gluing the whole thing together. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, what we think are the really important things. Some of these are, are quick fixes and and easy to do. Uh, today or tomorrow some of these will take a bit of planning but I think it's a philosophy of having experienced design at the heart of what you're doing um, can influence your web design your internal design your content strategy uh, and and you're always shooting for a really really good customer experience or brand experience absolutely Paul no that's great um thank you thank you guys uh, hopefully the attendees and participants got a lot of value from that I think again just to reiterate what, what Paul said and some of the key messages for me is you know emotional messaging is, is key at the moment you know you have to give um, audiences that experience of, of having dealt with that personal approach in bricks and mortar you need to be giving them that digitally I think you know using your analytics to understand commercial journeys versus informational journeys and really trying to segment what audience what different audiences want in different areas of the website is key. Um, create a panel, you know, it's cheaper, more cost effective and a lot more impactful than I think a lot of people maybe assume. And, and finally, you know, embracing new audiences in new ways. You know, think about video calls. Think about, you know, having live FaceTimes with, with your customers. And maybe that's the way that they want to experience customer service moving forward, which is not something we'd ever assumed three, six months ago. Um, but yeah, lots of opportunities to improve and make sure you're providing great experience for your, your audiences, new audiences and existing audiences. And um, yeah, thanks very much to all the panel. Um, we'll be back on this Thursday, which is May 20, 21st, with uh, Microsoft Advertising, formerly Bing, to talk about what's next for paid search and, and what strategies they think audiences and businesses should be deploying over the next three months um, to ensure that you continue to come out of the, the current situation in the strongest position possible.
So, yeah, thanks very much, guys. And um, cheers again to the panel. And hopefully we'll see you on Thursday. Cheers.